Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Toronto Rock Total Access. Uh, good times are here. The Toronto Rock have a win 2013 over the Buffalo Bandits. Last weekend in Toronto, the night before New Year's Eve, party like it's 1999. And the Rock, uh, maybe they scored goals like it was 1999. But everything uh, went well. And we're going to recap it all here on uh, Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, Kyle Davis, along for the ride as always as well. And uh, KD, obviously, I mean, you know, what can you say? Just everything feels a little bit better after a win. Your lunch tastes better here at the office. The water's a little colder, maybe. I don't know. It, everything seems to uh, just kind of feel better after a win. For sure. It feels like, uh, you know, a, a burden was kind of lifted off. You know, I'm sure the team's back, but the, the organization's back in a way. And I know uh, internally here, no one wanted to start 0-2. And... You know, and then you go into a big game with a division rivalry, and the, the season series already on the line, as we've mentioned enough, it, as crazy as it is in December. Um, so to get that in, in the fashion they got it, in a good old-fashioned crap kicking, really, uh, it feels good. It feels good. You know, there's a good way to go into the uh, – to end the 2017 year, but I guess and enter 2018. Yeah, and we look at all the things that went right um – you know, and there's obviously still lots of lots of parts of the game that I think probably need to be cleaned up, and we'll have uh, Rockhead coach Matt Sawyer in with us uh, shortly here on the show to chat about that. We'll also have Brett Hickey in to talk a little bit about the offense and, and what went well there. But uh, in terms of the offense, I mean, there's not there's not much you don't like about it. I mean, you scored 20 goals, um, you get some goals in transition. You get some goals from the new guys, some guys who are playing their first game ever in the NLL, uh, scoring goals. There was tons of great storylines. Uh, you know, Tom Schreiber has a bit of a breakout game for him this season. Adam Jones has his biggest single game output. Um, you know, if you're to put your finger on one thing offensively, uh, maybe what is it that stood out most for you? Stood out most for me was it. It was about time or good to see I guess the big boys up front that we have talked about you know be the big boys and 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 take control of the game Adam Jones uh what four and five I believe for a total of nine uh, I know you know Hellier three and three I believe six Schreiber had a big night and it just felt like they find their found their found their groove and, and it all came together which was nice to see and and even some great indiv- individual efforts one the Schreiber goal you know is getting his head ripped off and still comes around and just to see how pumped up he was in that goal celebration showed it it kind of felt like you know it felt like a monkey off their back as well and things were just starting to click for them and it's good to see it's a it's a positive sign for the uh, the Toronto Rock uh, organization and the fans moving forward when uh, when the big guns are going like that the offense it was fun to watch you know when balls are dropping there's lots of reasons to cheer the energy is you know at another level in the ACC as well when things are going well and the team's winning and um, you know and the offense is scoring that's a lot of teams a lot of times the biggest reason why you get out of your seat to cheer for your for your team is when they're scoring goals and there was you know 20 chances to do that on on Saturday night um, you had a fight again Billy Hostrauser right in the mix again like all the things that really you love seeing. Uh, when you come to an NLL game. So uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on a little bit was Tom Schreiber's goal. I mean, you know, the Rock are killing a penalty, shorthanded. He's coming around the net, you know, righty, as you would expect. And as he gets around the net, you know, his helmet gets popped off, uh, coming around the net and switches hands from righty to lefty and fires a bit of a prayer, let's face it, back in the net, but scores and and it's suddenly got all the elements of a great goal you know there's you know he overcomes a little adversity in terms of getting his helmet knocked off right where there wasn't a call coming Uh, but you know he gets his helmet knocked off the team shorthanded to begin with and he shows us something that I think we were all waiting for even last year and and through this season and I think we may have chatted with him about this before maybe it was off air I can't really remember but I think he only took one shot left-handed last year and this is something that you know being a field guy he's quite uh you know prolific both lefty and righty and it was pretty neat to see him score a goal left-handed and now maybe to put that threat in other people's minds but also 
perhaps have given him that confidence to maybe try that once in a while, switch and go lefty and, and see what happens. Well, we've talked about it, I know, not not on the show here, but uh, it's a unique situation to be in. And, you know, if you're Blaine Manning or, or Matty Sawyer, the head coach, do you throw a curveball once in a while and run him up the the left side of the floor? Sorry. And, uh, you know, what that does uh, to a defense, and they obviously have to make adjustments. And I, I'm curious to, I guess, ask him next time we get the opportunity to, in field, there's obviously way more net. Is it a more of a grip it and rip it scenario knowing that there's more room for that ball to drop and you know he doesn't necessarily have to be as confident in the wrong-handed shot which you may not feel near you know very comfortable obviously you can tell but uh as he would be with his strong hand opposed to the box net where there's not much net and he feels he doesn't want to you know screw up a an opportunity i guess but i don't know it's it was it was cool to see and i mean it's a unique skill set he has, and you know some of the American players, you know Kieran as well. I'm sure can is quite well both both ways that can can come down here and utilize that in the box game. You don't see that too often. The, the closest thing you really see is a is an O guy or a D guy on a clear, maybe you know going one hand on a stick for a cradle just to uh, to protect the ball. But uh, you know it was neat to see, and the fans really you know got pumped up about that goal. Like you said, it, it had all the parts to a, to a great. Great goal, shorthanded, bucket off. It was, it was really cool to see. And I think, like you're mentioning, to possibly run him up that side of the floor sometimes, what about even throwing him out lefty on the power play? <laughs> I mean, I, I think this is all fascinating stuff. I think that we have to run by Matty Sawyer when he's in here. But, I mean, you know, teams are starting to, it seems like, and maybe, maybe it's just against the Rock, but um, – a lot of times on the power play or a six-on-five play, like we've been talking about a little bit too, with guys setting up behind the net now. And these dunk goals that seem to be happening too often for maybe some people's liking. But um, me personally, we can talk about this part maybe in the back half of the show, but just I, I feel like I, I'm done with the dunk. I think it's time to change the rules in some respect. But, you know, the number of dunk goals and attempts we're seeing now, I, I think there's – Something's got to be sorted out with it anyways. But that can be a topic for later on in the in the back half of the show here. But um, just that wrinkle that, that could be added. Uh, if you want to go Schreiber lefty once in a while, I mean, you know, you see like coaching in football and stuff like that. Things like, you know, flea flicker or, you know, a little other wrinkles into an offensive set that every once in a while, you know, it's something where you're thinking, well, no, that's kind of hokey and you're never going to really go to it. But then when you do go to it, and it does catch the other team off guard, and, and it works sometimes, right? Well, like, just running through scenarios in my head here, and this, I don't know, maybe it's just crazy because it is so foreign to us, this concept or idea. But, you know, you see you got Hickey, Hellier, Schreiber out on the right side. Uh, you know, good possession. Uh, we get a reset. We get another 30 back. You bump Schreiber over to the left side. Uh, that they have to adjust their D, and then we have a, a two-man game on the right side with Hickey Hellier, two of our you know more prolific offensive scorers, who I'm sure, from being an offensive guy myself, would they would enjoy the room. I guess you could say that that would open yeah. up, but it, all of a sudden it's just a quick turn of events. D have to adjust, probably not expecting it, and you would think you got a friendly opportunity for a good look with two of your better offensive guys on the floor there. Yeah, and it's not just a. Uh cheap clear-out situation or something where you're looking no. to set up a two-man or an ISO or something like that on that side of the floor. You're moving another guy to the other side of the floor to clear room, but he's also still... He's a threat. It's a not like we're threat. just burying yeah. him over there, right? If, you know, you can still kick the ball over to yeah. him if things don't work out and you know he's not uh, a liability. Exactly. It's interesting. Fun stuff. I know. We've got to talk to uh, Maddie about this, but uh, just to get back to the game a little bit more, we talked a lot uh, last week about Buffalo's goaltending situation and what we might see, and we did think there was a good chance that we were going to see both uh, Alex Bouquet and uh, Zach Higgins, and we thought if we did see both of them, that meant things were going good, which um, it, it did end up uh, turning out that way. And oddly enough, we've talked so much about Tom Schreiber. It was his the goal we're talking about is the one that chased Alex Bouquet from the net, brought Higgins in. And there were a lot of shots where Zach Higgins was looking behind him for the ball and trying to figure out where it was, lost it in his feet and whatnot. And and to me, I don't think that was necessarily a true picture of the type of goaltender Zach Higgins is. It's just maybe, you know, he's to some degree kind of thrown into things a little bit cold here. 
you know, not having been, you know, in Bandit's camp all the way through, obviously, and practicing and, and whatnot, but there's a guy who's, you know, slightly, you know, as we kind of sometimes joke about, but, like, coming off the couch, you know, to come in and, and play where, you know, had it been maybe a little bit later in the season, maybe he had been getting getting some more regular reps in all and, and whatnot and maybe would have shown perhaps even a little bit better. But Yeah, I'm sure it's not the the ideal situation. And, you know, pregame, it's his first game. He's probably thinking, you know, I was down there watching the shoot-around. He's the guy that's on the floor because they only have two goalies right now taking just a bunch of shots at the end of practice. It's it's Book's night, and you, yep. you know you're kind of the backup, and you're just kind of getting accustomed to to what Buffalo is, and 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 getting to know the guys. I'm sure even uh, even though lacrosse is tight knit, I'm sure he doesn't know everyone on the team, and to get thrown into uh, to that environment in a division game in, in in his hometown too. I'm sure there's probably some people kicking around and kind of what at the time a, a hostile game really you know, with the, the way the first quarter went and uh you know there's some high emotions flying around out there and he didn't uh, i guess pr- provide the stop let's say he did last year when he came into the game and kind of settled yeah. things down right that we uh, that we talked about before but yeah i agree uh, from what i saw it did look like even the saves he did make they seemed to be going through him or there was always looking back he didn't really have that that confidence in the saves that he was making and I think we we looked at it and there was what sixty shots Toronto had on that roughly twenty goals so when every third ball's dropping you're not uh, you're not in a good position to pick up a W that night. No, not at all. And as if we haven't talked enough about Tom Schreiber, but he ended up being number nine on the Sports Center top ten on ESPN in the states on uh, Saturday night as well. That goal with uh, his helmet getting knocked off. So for me, anyways. I think an early candidate uh, should be in the conversation for goal of the year. I think that along with Zach Courier's dunk, which to me was a little bit more of a creative dunk because he attacked the net from the front, front, came around back. I feel like it was a much more athletic play and and something you don't see often. Because I remember, I think we probably talked about this when I did see it. I was like, I don't remember anybody else scoring a dunk goal like that. You know, I'm, you know, correct me out there if I'm wrong. Uh, lacrosse fans, but I, I like off the top of my head, I can't remember somebody doing that in recent memory where they've where they've attacked from the front and essentially ended up, you know, dunking from the back. You know, these goals, you know, everybody else has got them on their uh, goal of the year candidate list, but all these other dunk goals from behind the net, which I just think, anyways, we're gonna beat this dead horse later in the show. Uh, what I did want to talk about here before we uh, take a short break and welcome Maddie Sawyer in is uh, the standings. And it kind of, you know, as a result of all the games last week, you know, New England and Rochester at 2-1. and one. Um, Toronto, Buffalo, Georgia at 1-2 and two now in the East. Colorado 3-0. and oh, Sask 2-0. and oh. Calgary 1-2 and two, and Vancouver 0-3 oh, in the West. So uh, things are pretty tight in the East, obviously. And you know, with Georgia and Toronto getting those wins, Buffalo doesn't take the advantage uh, take advantage of uh, being able to kind of jump out in front of the pack a little bit, and things are tight. And I think it's it's awesome. I think we're going to see some great swings every week. You know, when you don't know who's going to beat who, and um, especially with these head to head East Division matchups, I think almost every game out is going to be a coin toss. We talk about parity on that side, and you know, on the West right now. I know we chatted about this a little bit before we went on air, and, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, it being a little bit top-heavy out west. And I don't know, do you think that that is something that's going to continue? I think we can say for sure for Sask, but, you know, do you think that's going to continue where there is going to be that separation where it's going to be Colorado-Sask and then Calgary-Van kind of pulling up the rear? Do you think that's kind of how things are going to sort themselves out in the west? I do, and at the start of the year, I didn't think that. I mean, we we saw the question marks with, or what we thought were question marks, I guess we can say, with the Colorado, the back end injuries they they sustained uh, leading up to the season. But you know, Sask, I think is is in the clear, uh, even though it's they've only played two games, but uh, they're just that good. But it's not so much that I haven't seen Colorado much, so I, I don't know. But a couple things that stick out to me is the the resurgence of Benesh. He looks to be just doing everything possible out there. I think he's had two eight-point games now. He's uh, you know leading the league in points, if not right up there. And Dylan Ward is you know he's lights out. We've talked about him, one of the best, if not you know the best right now in in the season. Just early, three games in. But I also think it has to do with a couple 
you know, Vancouver, I think they've had they pulled their goalie in all three games, I think, that they've played so far. You're not seeing the MVP caliber season from Small that, you know, really helped them last year. Uh, Dutch isn't, you know, putting up the points he put up and just missed last game. I just don't see it. It just feels like things aren't going right over there. And, and same with Calgary in a way, you know, Westberg starting on the, the holdout list. They couldn't come to, to an agreement. And the same thing, they're big guns and Dixon don't seem to be, uh, you know, putting up the goal. I think Dixon will own two on the weekend, if I if I recall. And, uh, I mean, just like here we saw in the first couple of games, right, the, the big guys up front aren't aren't doing it. Uh, it's going to be tough to uh, to pick up wins. So it's not so much that I think Colorado is that that much better, but I think they got their, their team and things in motion in a positive way, in a cohesive unit where the other two necessarily – are still trying to find themselves and I think uh, you know every week going on in this season is another loss it just digging the hole that much bigger yeah you mentioned Curtis Dixon and it's weird because it feels like usually he can kind of score no matter what's going on in the game you know no matter how his team's playing or anything else he's a guy that seems to be able to kind of just do it himself but um, Westberg scored a goal in that game on Friday night where he went out battled for a loose ball and then just you could tell when he went out to get that ball, he was like, I'm going to go score. And he scored. And it, it was kind of an almost momentum swing, but it, it still just didn't seem like Calgary had quite enough to get things going. Um, you know, I do think, obviously, like you mentioned, Vancouver has struggled. I still think it is Sask more so and then the rest. But Colorado yeah. is making a good case, record-wise anyways, to stay – tighter maybe with Sask in, in that conversation but I still think in reality it's still yeah. Sask and everybody else maybe For in the sure. league and then even the parody in the east it's not that it's not that the east teams are all mediocre so to speak it's just they're all pretty good but still I think everybody right now is still just that notch below uh below Sask overall so um anyways we'll chat more about this in the uh the back half of the show we got a couple of guests to get to including brad hickey but at first we will uh welcome in toronto rock head coach matt sawyer into the studio so we'll take a short break here on toronto rock total access and be back with more in a moment Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. And jumping in the studio with us right now is the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer. Matty, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm good. We're ready to go tonight for practice, boys. And I guess feeling a little bit better that uh, win number one is in the win column here? Uh, yeah, you know, it's something that uh, that you want to get out of the way. It took a little longer than uh, than we wanted, but, um, you know, we got one now and we got to try to build on it. So what is it? Uh, what is it that goes right? you know this time around against the bandits that maybe didn't go right the first time well we talked um you know that first game i thought that they uh you know they came out and they were real hungry and um you know they were uh, much hungrier than us in a sense of urgency from their standpoint and that's something that uh, we stress going into our uh, our third game there being down uh 2 we um you know we need to uh uh, to get to work and, and play a good, uh, sound, consistent game. And, um, you know, we did that for the for the most part. And, um, you know, we uh, we realized the position we were in and we didn't want to go 0-3. So we were hungry and, um, you know, we won a lot of the battles and uh, dominated in a lot of areas. So the offense is probably the uh, maybe easy-ish thing to just say, okay, well, that one while well, he scored 20 goals. But uh, the rest of the game, was there anything that uh, perhaps you – didn't like so much on Saturday night. Well, um, you're speaking of the offense, and um, you know we put up a, a good number, but also I thought uh, um, you know we helped um, Buffalo claw back in that game there early in the, um, uh, I guess in the, the first half, uh, just didn't protect the ball. We had too many um, you know uh, turnovers and uh, unforced uh, turnovers up front, and, and allowed Buffalo to uh, to run the ball and push the ball, and they scored a little bit in transition and. Um, you know that rolled into the uh, the penalty trouble that we got, which is uh, is an issue right now in in all three games. So uh, a couple areas there to clean up. Um, you know, value the ball and and um, uh, don't turn it over on offense and defensively. We got to find a way to stay out of the box. And I guess kind of uh, optically, I guess you know, game one against Buffalo, you give up uh, 13 goals, but two of those were empty netters, so you really only give up 11. And then in this game, you give up 13, and you know. 
uh, we've we've been talking quite a bit. I feel like the last few weeks on the podcast, anyways, about just the the illusion or the feeling of that eleven goals against or twelve goals against, and whether or not you're on the winning side or the losing side of it. But you know, um, I guess defensively overall, were you more pleased with this effort, or were you more pleased with the effort in Game One against Buffalo? No, I thought we were pretty good, especially five on five when we allowed our defense to uh, to face Buffalo. Um, you know, we weren't chasing coming off the bench, and, and we're in our set uh, five-on-five half-court defense, if you want to call it that. Uh, you know, we were real good, and, and uh, we got a, um, a lot more loose balls in our own end. In, in that first game in Buffalo, we were under siege and had trouble coming up with the ball and, and uh, clearing our zone. So, um, you know, defensively, we were uh, we were strong, uh, again, when we allowed them to face them five-on-five. So that's something to... Uh, to build on, and if we can clean up, um, you know, we can clean up some uh, other areas. We're going to be a tough team to beat on most nights. I want to ask you about one play, one goal specifically? Uh, Tom Schreiber's goal when uh, you know kind of got the helmet knocked off, came around the net, switched hands, and and still found a way to put it home. And we've been talking, and maybe this is a, a crazy theory, and we just got to get back to reality. But is putting Tom because he can play both ways? You know, on the left side, ever crossed your mind? Is it is that what was that a one off, or would you ever? Is that a tactic, or should we just you know just move on? Well, um, <laughs> no, I would never suggest you move on. It's a uh, you know you, you're not going to march him out there and ask him to play lefty uh, the whole game or anything like that. But it's something that uh, uh, you know we encourage both him and Kieran because they um, you know they're capable of doing that. Um, you know, so that that play that you're talking about, that's a perfect situation when you get forced to your wrong side and. Um, you know they have the ability to switch hands, and um, you know, and you saw the results. But it's not something where you would ask him to uh, to go out for a shift or for a game and, and play lefty. Um, that's out of his comfort zone, and and we want him to uh, to get better as a right-hander. But it's definitely um, something that uh, you know we try to uh, use and and with uh, some set plays. And um, you know, when you see the result, maybe we'll see a little more of it. And what did you uh, what would you make of Sheldon Burns' debut? You know, scored a goal, some loose balls, pushed the ball. He seemed to you know bring a lot of good things the table what was your take on it yeah um you know as advertised it's uh is what we thought we were getting with uh, sheldon and and uh we expect him to get better um the longer he's with us uh, you mentioned the loose balls one thing and we have struggled um you know even going back to last year we struggled with our ball team and um you know some guys just kind of have a knack of finding that ball and, and he came up with some uh some real easy ones off the face off uh, you know his goal was a direct result of that and uh you know the main thing is uh um, you know, he can get that ball in the stick and help you clear the zone. And, and um, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, coming into uh, when we picked him up, I believe he had, uh, you know, 16 goals in the, the last two years as a defender um, coming out the back end. And, uh, you know, obviously when he gets the opportunity, he's got some, some good hands and, and he knows how to finish. So, um, you know, we liked what we saw and we expect him to get better along with the, the rest of the guys. And, uh, you know, it's good to have him aboard. Now, I kind of do want to get back to this Schreiber versatility thing for a little bit. And uh, and part of it also about the, you know, just going with the three-man uh, uh, right side in terms of uh, who dressed in uh, the game against Buffalo. But, you know, KD brought up a good point kind of when we were talking about this earlier too is would you ever even consider, again, this is a would you ever, or, um, but, you know, when you if you were out there with three righties and two lefties, you got to reset – you know, would you ever then trot Tom out to the left side on that repossession or even on a power play, would you ever switch things up if you got a repossession or even on the same play where you – and this is, I know, we're pulling a pie out of the sky thing and I see you smiling, but I started thinking about like, you know, a flea flicker in football we talked about before where you're always like, well, that's almost like a silly play, right, where you think like it's so far off script, like why would you do it? But then at the same time, to me sometimes that's kind of why those plays – work in sports yeah well I was uh, smiling because you're not gonna like my answer and the answer was gonna be no um, but uh, you know again I go back to what uh, what I said to uh, to KD it's nothing that you're going to um, you know specifically ask him to go out if yeah. the situation arises because of the uh, uh, the play or or um, you know maybe the uh, the possession uh, they have the capability of, uh, yeah. of doing that but um, you know we want Tom to focus on uh, on being a, a real good right-hander for us so um, <laughs> sorry all I couldn't right, give you fine. something better there but uh, that's <laughs> no, uh, that's just the honest question yeah. that. But anyways yeah. all right so but along those lines to to talk maybe more seriously about it all was uh, you know you did make the switch to go with three righties and four lefties in this game and obviously you get 20 goals so on the surface 
Sure, you say easily, yeah, it worked, it was great. But uh, what did you see about the way the team played and just maybe some of those opportunities it created for the righties and did everything kind of play out the way you had hoped? Yeah, well, you know, and, and you mentioned the, the 20 goals and, um, you know, a big part of that, though, was us creating transition from uh, from our own end and, and especially early on that uh, that got us going. Um, you know, the one thing that we felt we had to look at with uh, the first two games going with the four righties, um, you know, obviously we didn't, uh, we weren't as successful as we wanted to, uh, to be offensively and um, we just thought of, uh, um, you know, switching things up. Bottom line is on offense, every offensive player wants to be out there weak side because it uh, just allows more, uh, more space. Um, you know, once you're taking a defender off of that side as well, so you're going from six on your side down to four and in our case, um, you know, with Tom and and uh, Robbie, the uh, type of player they are, and um, you know what their assets are, which is uh, one thing is is speed and breaking down a, uh, a defense. Um, you know we tried to make it work over there with uh, with the four righties because we value Dan and Dan Lettner's a real good player. But uh, you know you saw that uh, there was a little more space for uh, for Rob, Tom, and, and Brett, or Brett on that uh, when we had a weak side and. Um, you know, if you're basing it on one game, the results look good. But, uh, you know, there's going to be times when we need to go with four righties again. And, um, you know, we need to figure that out at the same point, too. So coming up this week, uh, game against Vancouver Stealth. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, both teams went into this past weekend 0-2 and, and, and probably equally as hungry. And uh, and now you kind of go into a situation where, you know, you guys are 1-2, and two, obviously still very hungry to get back to 0-2. But, You've got a team that you're going to be playing against at 0-3 that might be, uh, you know, real, real hungry. Back at home, especially where, you know, at times over their uh, time in Vancouver, they haven't been so good at home. Um, obviously a massive game for them. How do you kind of go in there and, you know, you talked already about you thought Buffalo was maybe a little hungrier than you guys in the season opener, but I guess how do you match their uh, intensity and hunger here on Saturday night? Well, we don't uh, we don't have any choice. Um, you know, everybody feels good about uh, coming off a win last week, but, um, you know, if, uh, if you're not successful this week, you're kind of right back where you started. Um, at the same point, uh, you know, you got to remember um, how you feel, how it felt in that room coming off of a win and um, just how this week is. It's, uh, you know, there's a, uh, uh, in this league, when you win, you have a good week. And when you don't, uh, you carry it with you to the next game. So our focus is going to be on ourselves, um, like I say all the time, and uh, getting our game where it needs to be. And, and uh, we're confident um, against whoever we play and, and wherever we're playing. If, uh, if our game is on, we're going to be a, a tough team to beat. So um, really, you know, we're three games into the season and, and we won one game. So uh, when you look at it that way, we haven't accomplished anything and um, you know we better be hungry going in there we don't have any choice all right Matty well thanks a lot uh, obviously a big weekend uh, coming up uh, for your team for Vancouver uh, but uh, one where I think it's time that uh, obviously everybody would like to get on a little roll here so uh, best of luck out in uh, Vancouver we'll chat again soon thanks guys that's the plan all right, uh, that was Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer joining us. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with Brett Hickey in studio with us in just a moment. And the cat with the bass and drum, going around like bum, bum, bum. What's grooving? I'm moving. I like your style. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis as we're getting you caught up on a big Toronto Rock victory, as well as uh, we'll be looking forward to this weekend's game against the Vancouver Stealth at Weston, B.C. But right now, we welcome in studio, Toronto Rock forward, Brett Hickey. Brett, how you doing? Not too bad, fellas. How are you guys? Uh, doing quite well. Uh, obviously, had to feel great uh, getting win number one under the belt, but uh, also probably feels a little better beating the Bandits, and even more so the fact that uh, the offense overall breaks out and scores 20 goals. Yeah, it's uh, it was relieving, to say the least. I know that we've been putting on a lot of work, and um, we felt that our offense would be an explosive one this year, and uh, up until last weekend, it wasn't happening. So it was kind of nice to see uh, a few guys break out and uh, and fi find their rhythm, and result was a, was a great win. Now, you know, what was the difference between game one against Buffalo and game two against Buffalo? Was it, uh, you know, was it you guys? Was it their goaltending? Was it a combination of everything? Did you guys do anything differently on offense in the second go-around against the Bandits? I mean... I I think that we felt we had a lot of opportunities the first game and we ran into a, a hot goalie um, and though though that did happen we did feel we got outplayed um, we felt that we weren't 
uh, really sacrificing or getting to the middle of it. Uh, we were kind of just kind of allowing ourselves to settle for outside shots and opportunities. And um, you could tell early on in this game that we were willing to kind of go to the middle and, and battle and bang and get second possessions. And um, the result was, yeah, we got some outside looks, but we also got a lot more inside and more quality opportunities, I'd probably say. Um, and the result was a 20-goal output. So I, I, I think that we were we, – we were we were a little bit uh, kind of struck by a hot goalie, but I think that we played a better overall game uh, the second time around. Now, up front offensively, uh, of course, the team has been going with seven offensive guys, but this was the first time that uh, Coach Matt Sawyer decided to go with three righties and four lefties. How did you guys feel out there as a group with uh, one less righty out there and, and getting out there more often with just two guys out there on the, on the right side? Well, I, I think if you ask any offensive player, they want to go with that their side their side be the three-man side it gives you more opportunities to go uh weak side and it allows you to have more space to work with right um when you go strong for the majority of the game you're you're battling with guys you know you're sometimes running into each other a little bit a little bit more confusion on that side and um this just allowed us to to really kind of be in our element for a game i think that we're a lot of us were used to being on the weak side, and uh, we were able to kind of see the ball a little bit more, carry the ball a little bit more often, and give the guys like Tommy and and uh, and Robbie the ball and the chance to carry the ball in their sticks a little bit more often and make the decisions because that's what they're best at. Brett, I want to ask you more about the your, your career in a whole, and I think uh, you know Mike as well. I think it's a pretty pretty interesting story from where you were in Vancouver to and where they didn't really have a have a role for you, for you I guess and now to where you are such a prolific scorer in the league a, you know 50 goal scorer a high powered offense part of a high powered offense and just take us through that journey and maybe how how hard it was mentally to kind of stay with it and and motivated I guess after I guess a negative experience uh, and how that negative experience turned into such a positive one now here with the rock I mean I I'm yeah, I didn't get a good opportunity, I felt, in, in Vancouver um, and with, with that organization. For whatever reason, throughout the three years I was there, they didn't feel that uh, I was to be part of that or they felt that they had other guys that fit their roles better. And, um, you know, for me, though it was frustrating and mentally draining at times, it was all uh, a learning curve. Like I've learned from every opportunity that I was given, um, not only in the, in, the, in the Winter League but also in the Summer League. And... Um, I took everything in stride. I had a good support system with family and friends and um, some great mentors that come from that from that team. So it's hard to kind of say that it was all negative because there's a lot of positives that came from it. Um, that said, I know my first tryout with Toronto, uh, talking with my family, was going to be my last if I didn't make it. Um, so I kind of put all my eggs into that basket and said, you know what, this is it. If it's, if it's meant to be, this will be my opportunity and this is what I'll I'll be able to prove and you know luckily enough I was given that that chance and um, I haven't looked back since and keeping with that theme looking ahead to Vancouver do you not that you're not motivated for, for every game I, I totally understand that you know you get fired up there's only so many games in a season but does it feel a little little extra inside when you go down there this weekend and you know if you do score one early and you kind of get into that and against a former organization that you were with yeah I mean I've, I've always been uh Sometimes look, I looked at uh, early on as, as maybe a role guy or a guy that uh, you don't you don't plug in when you need him kind of thing, especially early on in the career. So um, when you get the chance to prove somebody wrong, um, I, I, I like to do that. Uh, feels good. Uh, but you, you want to be able to prove to them that, you know what, they did make a mistake. And um, especially that first year, that was, that was a huge factor. Right now I'm going in and, um, you know, want to get our team to stay on track and, and get a good win and that's the main focus and um, but in the back of my mind you always want to kind of prove to those people you know what yeah I got you the first year I got you the second year but I'm going to you know continuously do that and prove to them that you know what they did make a mistake and um, that said I am grateful because without them I wouldn't be where I am today right I was given that opportunity but that is definitely in the back of the mind. Wasn't it against Vancouver that you had your seven goal game in 2015? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> just wanted to remind everybody out there. Um, so this weekend, like we mentioned, going into uh, going into Vancouver, familiar territory. They're a team that, uh, you know, was in a similar situation, obviously, to uh, to you guys at 0-2. But, uh, you know, the Rock turned uh, turn the corner a little bit with the win. Vancouver doesn't get the win and uh, lost in, um, you know, not so pretty fashion, I guess you could say, against New England on the weekend. But, 
you know, I guess uh, you're going to be going in and, and facing a team that is pretty hungry and probably even hungrier than they were, obviously, at, at 0-2. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're playing a team. I don't want to call it a desperate team, but you're playing a team that's 0-3 possibly, you know, chance to go 0-4. And, and, you know, that's a huge hill to climb, as we saw a few years ago when we had to go through that experience. And, um, you know, it feels like for every step you take forward, you're taking two steps back. So teams want to try and avoid that at all costs. And you're going to be playing a, a hungry team, like you said. And, you know, they got some guys on, on their offensive side of the things that, like us in our first two games had were struggling and um they have some dynamic players guys that can score at will at times and um we have to be ready for that we got to weather their storm and they're going to be playing in front of a home crowd and we got to match that intensity early on and um play a full 60 minutes i do feel it'll be it'll take a full 60 because they have something to prove and um parity in this league is is very small right they, they, any, any team can win at any single time and uh you know we have to be ready for a team that's going to be ready to explode all right Okay, Brett. Well, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us here on the uh, podcast today. And, of course, best of luck against the old mates again on Saturday night in Vancouver. Thank you very much. All right, that was Brett Hickey, Toronto Rock Forward. We'll take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with more in a moment. Back to wrap up the show, Mike Hancock with Kyle Davis, and uh, great show today. Great show. Some insightful guests with us. Checking in, Matty Sawyer and uh, Brett Hickey, who uh, part of a big rock offensive resurgence uh, last week against Buffalo Bandits. But uh, we've got some fun stuff here to go over and talked a little bit about the dunk goals in the beginning of the show. And uh, KD, I just want to get your take. Like, I. I'm just finding that, and I know we, we've had this full-out conversation off-air this week, so we'll try to rehash the best parts of it here. But I, I just i am at the point where it's like, you know, you're supposed to be scoring a goal from in front of the net, and just the goal that Callum Crawford scored, it was on a power play, I believe, and, you know, you've got two rock defenders, one on each post, and you've got Nick Rose in net. And Crawford essentially shoots the ball off the back of Rosen into the net, and it's—I I just don't know where this. I, I just don't get it. Like I don't get it anymore. I don't know why. It's just—it feels like it's blown up here in the last couple of years. And then to start this season, the fact that you know, it seems like every few times down the floor, somebody's trying to set that up from behind the net. That if the defender just leaves him alone and doesn't flush him out right away. They're thinking about, you know, in this case, shooting the ball off the goaltender and in or diving over top, around, whatever. And I'm just, for me personally, I'm just kind of done with it. I'm done with it. I well, that that particular one that you're mentioning, uh, Crawford there, I know like when we discussed it and kind of watched it, broke it down, what else is Toronto, I guess, supposed to do? You know, like you said, they got both players on, on the post. Uh, one's not just going to run at him; it's going to open up, you know, whatever side that's coming yeah. from. So that's you're not, you got to play. We didn't, we couldn't come up with a with a way that how they were supposed to play that. Rose obviously, you know, head on a swivel. He's got to pick a side in a way. Uh, and Callum Crawford's big, lanky guy. It's it, he, to me it, that one in particular doesn't take much for, you know, Callum just to kind of reach his long, long span, I guess, over the net and just dunk that in right like we kind of talked not that Callum Crawford doesn't have a bunch of skill don't get me wrong here where I'm taking this but uh any six foot six dude or six foot yeah. two dude from the stands that can catch a ball <laughs> could almost yeah. can almost reach around the net and, yeah. dunk, and dunk a ball if yep. the ball's in his stick and I mean I think it gets lost and it's kind of a misunderstanding in terms of we think it's such a special goal when in reality i think you know there's some goals that are are done or goals that happen in a lacrosse game that maybe don't get as much credit as as a dunk goal but to me there's way much more skill involved in it if that if that makes sense and but just doesn't get the the notoriety or the you know if if average 
individual walks in off the street catching their first lacrosse game thinks that wow he just scored from behind the net like that that is crazy not maybe understanding kind of the skill required to go into another goal that yeah and, and it's just kind of lost in a miscommunication in that way but yeah I know you mentioned uh, we've mentioned on the show before you know the idea of circle circle crease and that would just eliminate it right move the crease up a bit circle take away the dunk goal and I know all goalies would be in favor of that and but you mentioned Buffalo. I noticed a couple times late on the extra attackers when they, you know, pulled the goalie out. Mitch Jones was set up behind the net. It was a pass coming from, you know, left side of floor to Mitch is standing right post in a way, and he's a lefty, so he can just catch, jump, dunk, just like he did in Buffalo at the, at the home opener for the yep. Bandits. Right, same thing. He caught on Rose. It's a quick Rose has to has to play the shooter if it's Byrne or Saunders, whoever on that top left side pass back and there's no way he can just get get back in time to, to save that right so frustrating for a goalie frustrating for a defense too I, I think it was was it Chappie and Cree on the post or I want to say uh no it was uh I think it was Cree and uh Challen I think Cree and Challen on yeah. the post okay and like look, we thought they played it two well. big dudes and you got a big goalie in that and you still like you can't, you're still scoring from back yeah. there and I think yeah I mean I think you know making the crease a full circle and, you know, you'd obviously have to move the net out a little bit, which I don't really think would uh, impact things too much, and you're not moving it too far out anyways, really. Um, and then, you know what, if you can still score on a dunk from behind the net and there's a little more athleticism probably involved there, um, if you've got to jump out from, you know, another foot or so behind, I don't think there's a lot of guys that can probably – you know, straight up reach maybe from there. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I I just think there's got to be some little tweak or change that uh, can be made. Um, it, it, to me, it's just it, it's getting away from, you know, in, in some respects, the, the beauty of the sport, so to speak, and the, the passing, the catching, the athleticism, the shooting, like all these things that I think we love to see happen – above goal line extended and i think now we're starting to get this uh you know i i don't know i just think we're going to a bad place and i think if it doesn't get fixed soon i think it's it's uh it's just not going to be good for um you know it's not going to ruin the game don't get me wrong there but it just it's going to go to a weird spot where you know it's just going to be disappointing when games are decided i think on these types of plays when it's not to me it's not a lacrosse play that's all and See, it's weird too, right? Because like people, kind of just reiterating when I said people in lacrosse have their opinion on it, but I think the fans love the dunk goal and yeah, right, and just like like anything, you know, you're always trying to find new creative ways to engage the fans. You know, more scoring, more hits, more whatever it is, and this is just another another avenue for you know little Johnny to go home after the game with his dad's tell mom or whatever i saw a pretty cool dunk goal from yeah. brett hickey tonight or so i, I don't know it be interesting to see where it goes i know you know defense goalies coaches probably can't stand it yeah the old kyle crawford probably loved it when he did it right <laughs> like it's true uh, it's a mixed uh, mixed yeah it's a bit of a debate because i mean i think uh can't remember i think it was last year like brett hickey scored a pretty nice dunk goal kind of thing and, and like we said earlier you know, Courier's goal in Calgary was a really nice dunk goal because, like we talked about, you know, he initiated the whole play from in front of the and, net and then went behind. And, it wasn't just this camp out behind the net. And, and that's where I think, like, I don't know where you where you draw the line, but I think it's still, like, if that rounded crease happens, you're not setting up from back there, right? You've still got that ability, kind of what Courier did, if he's still able to jump up and around, I think he can still probably score that goal. I mean, it might be a little bit different. It could it could be tougher, but I mean, then if he does do it, I mean, it's even all that more impressive, you know, if you're scoring from back there. So it's an interesting debate. I like to maybe uh, get deeper into it with some of these guys. I mean, actually, we probably should have brought it up to Brett now in hindsight that uh, since he did score a goal from behind the net last year. So um, interesting to chat about. Anyway, so let's get back to. Uh, the real world here and short-term long-term trade uh we'll get into that right now so uh theme number one i guess for this three pack is going to be teams goaltending situations because we saw three teams uh this past weekend where all three guys or sorry both guys on all three teams 
got into action, albeit uh, in one case for a very limited amount of time. But uh, are you uh, going short-term, long-term trade with uh, either Buffalo, Calgary, or Vancouver's goaltending situation? That is a, an interesting one. Uh, just uh, looking at that process in it here. I'll start with the the long term. I'm going to go with Calgary's goalie long term. A lot of that is, uh, you know, I think Chiliano is, can, can do a job in there, but I'm more so looking ahead with Del Bianco. Uh, this guy's resume up to this point is... You know, it speaks for itself, and I think he's gonna, you know, have continued success with growth and, and experience in this league. So Calgary will be—I'll be keeping long term, and short term, I think I gotta go with Vancouver, as uh, you know, Brody McDonald's a little, little older, a little just more experience in the league, and you saw what Ty Belanger did. Did last year? I know you know he he was up and down and had some consistency issues, but it looked like you know without him, maybe Vancouver's not in the playoffs. He did string together some good games here and then some not so good games there, but uh, he seemed to to be able to get them where they needed to go short term in a one game se- or one in one season and trade. Uh, I, maybe because we just saw them, but uh, it, it's going to be the Buffalo Bandits. You know, this is back to back. Weeks the goaltender has give up twenty goals. You know, Books struggled the last couple weeks. Higgins hasn't been able to find his his role in this league, so I don't really can't really trust that. And uh, you know, they're both young guys. Books never really been a starter. He's always kind of backup in Colorado to Ward there, and I, I just can't trust that combo uh, long term. So I will be trading them. All right, interesting uh, spin on those. I think I. Uh Probably got to agree with all of those, uh, especially with you know the upside on Del Bianco there. Um, he's a guy that I feel like there hasn't been this much hype around a goalie coming out of junior really, um, you know, since Matt Vince, and we all know uh, what kind of career he's had. And not to put that on uh, Christian Del Bianco at all, but uh, there's a lot of things uh, career path wise and dominance at the junior A level, um, championships and whatnot that make you kind of remember back to. Uh, the early 2000s when Matt Vince was coming through with St. Catharines and kind of dominating there. Um, our next short-term, long-term trade, we want to have three guys who, uh, you know, all played in the league last year but all had changes of scenery, either because they were released uh, during training camp from their previous clubs or were uh, not asked to come back and ended up signing elsewhere as a free agent. So our three guys, Andrew Suter, Billy D. Smith, and Tim Edwards, who's kind of a unique one, uh, who has found himself in Colorado and uh, handling all their face-offs and uh, on a team that's 3-0. and So I'm going to actually start with Tim Edwards there, and he's going to be my, my long-term keep. Uh, reasons leading into this, you know, you mentioned he's taken all but four of their face-offs this year. I think he's won about 50% of the draws he has taken and his birth year, 1992 birth year, I think uh, we mentioned there or we, we've talked about. Uh, so he's still young, you know, mid-20s. He's still got a, a lot of time left, I think, to to marinate his game and, and evolve. Uh, so Tim Edwards I is... I like that, marinate his you game. You like that one? Lovely. All right, yep. <laughs> I'm going, so I'm going to... Uh, to keep Tim Edwards, sorry, he got me all, all crossed long up here term, now. On the mar- yeah, he will be with me long term. Sorry, short term, I think I'm going to go with uh, Billy D. Smith. You know, he's shown played for er, played for Team Canada at, at times. He's you know war in the sea in Bandit Land. There, he's a big, physical, intimidating body. Whether it be a game or a short term need, I think he he can bring something to the table. Uh, I think just thinks he needs to keep his composure a little bit for me in that game or whatever that is. But I will be keeping uh, Billy D short term, and unfortunately, we'll be trading Suter. And it's it's not so much about I guess where he is. I haven't seen him play this year, but it's more so his lack of I guess playing time in the league over the past couple of years. And a big part of that is due to you know some major major surgeries and and for that reason and the in the injuries, uh, I'm just not uh, feeling safe keeping him long term. So I'm going to have to trade him. Yeah, I mean, Billy D. Smith, I, I'd love to take a survey of players of just, you know, like, who's one of the guys that you just never want to be. The most intimidating with, like, like player yeah. in a situation. Or. Yeah, I mean, 
he's still got that element to him for sure. So, all right, so there you go. Short-term, long-term trade, an interesting little addition there uh, on the show. So, uh, so coming up this week, uh, the Rocker in Vancouver, Saturday night, 10 o'clock Eastern. You can watch the game on NLLTV.com. Uh, prediction time here, KD. What are we looking at? Yeah, I I think the Rock offense continues on. Uh, you know, kind of what what they built last game at the Air Canada Center versus Buffalo. I, I'm predicting a, a big Rock win here to pull us to two and two. I, my prediction for the game is I think we're gonna win fifteen to nine. Fifteen nine, Toronto Rock. And uh, I think I mentioned last, maybe off air. I still think there's a there's a good chance we might see both goalies down in Vancouver as well for the Stealth, not the uh, not the Rock, but uh, you know, hopefully so. If that's the case, that means you know the offense is firing again on all cylinders. Well, I'm going to predict that the offense does one better than last week, and this is not because anything that Vancouver is doing will do, but because I think the Rock offense, the guys are feeling it, and there's a lot of confidence right now, and I think it's going to uh, continue out west. So I have got Toronto 21, Vancouver 10. It's another high-scoring affair. It is another high-scoring affair, and I think I think we're going to see these goals continue here in a big way for for a little while still, yet until all teams kind of get themselves sorted out. But uh, going for it, I'm putting, I'm shoving all the chips in here on this one. Twenty-one to ten is my prediction that uh, the Rock will will handle the Vancouver Stealth, and I mean, you know, by all accounts, I'm sure it's going to be a pretty similar lineup. Uh, going for the Rock this week, but there are still some question marks if Phil Caputo will be healthy, Sandy Chapman's injury status, Jordan Magnuson's injury status, and what that's going to mean for the uh, for the whole thing here through the hopper. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Any uh, ticket updates here as we uh, are a week and a half here away from uh, another home game, or not even a week and a half, a week and a day or so here away from uh, a Friday night, January 12th game. With the Rock hosting the Rochester Nighthawks. Yeah, for sure. We still got uh, probably what I think maybe after this game is it's going to be the last chance, I believe, to hop on pro-rated season tickets here. So still a great uh, great offer, great family affordable price to come down and catch the, the remaining seven games. Uh, we've got our Upper Bowl pass, again, on a pro-rated ticket right now. So if you want to hop on that, that's another option. We've got our six-ticket flex pack, our, tra- our four-game pack, sorry, which is pretty cool for 110 bucks. Uh, you know, you get to try out different pockets around the arena. You're guaranteed one platinum game, so that's a pretty uh, pretty economically friendly way to get into uh, a couple games and try out some different vantage points. And of course, if you have any questions, you can chat with us directly online at torontorock.com or call uh, a ticket rep at our office here 416-596-3075, and we'll be more than happy to uh, to help you out with whatever it is you need. All right, KD, great stuff. Uh, Great show as always. That'll about wrap things up. Uh, Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes uh, and hit us up if you have any questions, comments, or otherwise. You can always uh, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter or or give us a call. KD loves to chat. Loves to chat. Get on the phone with KD. All right, so that'll be a wrap up the program here. In the meantime and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying we will chat next week.